My friends, welcome back to the Smoky Mirror Podcast. Welcome to the eighth installment of the Smoky Mirror Podcast. I love you all so much. Thank you for joining me. I'm here um, in this episode with my good friend Kirsten Elliott. She is a PhD student at University of Southern California. Um, something in education. I think she said it during the during the talk. I know she's getting her PhD in, in education. We were in Teach for America together. And so I caught up with her to kind of warm up for my Black Future Month. I wanted to see what her perspective was on the progress of uh, education and also just to see what kind of information she's been exposed to. Some of the questions I asked were a little bit shaky baby, but um, I think we had a pretty good conversation. So enjoy. Thank you so much for rocking with me and more to come. My friends, welcome back to the Smoky Mirror podcast. I love you all so much. Thank you for joining me. I'm here with my friend and colleague. <laughs> What what is like what because friends sounded kind of too boring friend and so, <laughs> like friend I'm with my friend Kirsten like yeah but that's that doesn't hit that hard you know yeah what? it doesn't hit as hard as it should right yeah like um <laughs> I can't think of a good word well my dog I guess yeah I fuck with Kirsten heavy we've been friends for about three four years now so. She's joining me on the podcast. We were chopping it up a little bit earlier, and now we're about to uh, record. So I told her that I'm having a Black Future Month for February. Shout out to Kanye West. He gave me the idea. And I really do think we need to be intentional about where we want to go as a community, because the best way to predict the future is to live it <laughs> and to create it, you know? And so instead of looking back and just kind of reacting to all the things that are happening to us i feel like we play a lot of you know reacting to things that happen in our environment i want us to create from an inner place and so i th really do feel like that starts with education and so i really want i kind of want to know what your thoughts are you know on a high level and then we can just dive into anything specific um i like what you just said about like creating from like an inner space because i think that is something i kind of hold i'm holding on to as i as i'm creating um different things. And when it comes to education, I think the one sector that I'm most passionate about is like the technology that we're using. I think that you're talking about future and you're talking about education. I think the pandemic put the education industry, like it kind of smacked the ed education industry with like, you have to kind of move a lot faster than you've been moving. You have to get resources a lot faster than you have been. Um, you kind of have to step into the future. Um, which is essentially technology um, with the pandemic. Um, I think it really showed the um, need for technology. It also showed the lack of access for people of color, for people of middle class and working class families. I think it really just put a lot of things on front street when it comes to technology and education and where education really is. Um, and that's what I'm interested in. And like I'm currently working with is um, critical di digital literacy and critical digital um, technology, which is essentially looking at the technology that we currently have and asking real questions about how we can improve it, how we can make it for the, I guess like the, the success of, 
like our students and not just a project that we want to put out um, and just make money off of. So when you mentioned technology, I'm immediately thinking like our, you know, people in communities where they don't have a lot of money or big budgets, are they going to be able to afford or keep up when it comes to the technology aspect? Or is that just another going to be another gap in that we see? What do you where do you see that? Because, you know, I feel like we can develop great technology, but it's distributing it everywhere. That's the issue. Do you have you been seeing any any like solutions possibly? Um, so when it comes to solutions, um, actually, I can't speak to that as much, but there's a lot of literature on like um, the digital gap. Um, and it like speaks to how, you know, how they have like the economic wealth gap and like stuff like that. There's a lot of literature on like the digital gap and how like big the gap really is between the haves and the have nots. Yeah. So like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, you make, say, you know, you make this amazing technology, but like, or no, say, say technology is at a point where it's like, okay, this is really good. Like say for, you know, actually what, what kind of technology are we talking about? Like, is it around like teaching? Is it around like, cause I remember you, you were talking about a desk back when we were teaching. Mm -hmm. Are you still, are you still kind of like thinking about a, a desk? I don't want to like, you know, Maybe yeah. we need to blurt that out. If you got a patent or a secret. <laughs> yeah, I actually looked into that patent, but um, currently I'm working on other projects that I found more passionate because hmm. I feel like, like to answer your question about like technology in general. So I'm thinking ed tech. Um, and when I say ed tech, I'm talking about the kind of technology that you use in schools, um, out of schools with family, with um with like the families, with communities, with faculty and staff, with the educators. Um, and you know, that's, there's a range of different technology that's out there. Like one of the most common, um, I'm sure you heard of Khan Academy or Shobi or Nearpod. Um, and my, I guess my big, the big pull for me is that a lot of technology, essentially whatever you create has your um ideology in it like your ideology is a part of the things that you create and mm -hmm. essentially a lot of the technology that's been created um has been made with people that have ideologies about people of color about working class people or actually might not have opinions at all and it shows in the technology that um has been created especially for students um especially for students mm. um yeah I don't know. I just like when I think about my experience with the kids and the technology, they were not into it. Mm -hmm. Do you think that do you think like I I have a hard time believing that there aren't there isn't software out there that kids might be more interested in? You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's got to be somebody black who's designed something that people want that the kids will, will gravitate to more. Is it there is a lack of that or is it more like they can't distribute it out enough is it because i feel like people are definitely like there's a market for that i'm sure there's like better things we could be teaching but like why isn't it like where's the disconnect i guess is where i'm trying to figure out like i don't know if it's in this is more of a policy thing but i just be confused because i feel like there's so much like a gap between what 
you know, where, where they are versus what could be, you know what I mean? Like, do you understand what I'm saying here? Mm -hmm. Like, like why are we stick, sticking with Carnegie when I'm sure it ha we have other ones we could be trying, you know, <laughs> like what's up right. with that? Um, so essentially I think the more that I am um, doing my research, um, the more people I come in contact with, and there's a whole community of like black creators um, or just creators that are interested in, creating for people of color when it comes to technology like yes you're right there are companies that are out there that are interested in um creating this kind of way um but i think there's an issue of access i think there's an issue of like i think there's a power dynamic and a political dynamic um and i can't speak to those because i don't know completely like the landscape because it's all based on counties like our um, school system are all, you know, they're all divided up in counties. So I can't speak for all of the counties or even one county to be exact, to know exactly why. Um, but yeah, the technology is out there. And I think the more I do research, I'll kind of find out, you know, like why are we sticking with mainstream or whatever the case is. Um, at the end of the day, teachers, depending on the school, can have a lot of autonomy and the resources that they choose to use. And oftentimes teachers are, there. Are, there's sometimes that teachers are forced to use technology that isn't interesting to them or their students. And then there's other times where teachers can choose other resources, but might not have the time or professional development to actually be able to use it. Mm. Um, being a teacher is you know, a really difficult job considering all of the things that you have to juggle at the same time. So um, it really takes being able to do it right and do it for a longer period of time, I think. One thing that I noticed is that technology, there was kind of like a revolving door of technology um, that like none of the technology actually was able to get real roots in any of the schools. Oh, like it didn't stick. But, right, it wasn't able to stick because within one to two years they were switching it. Um, and I mean, I think everything has to be improved but over time, but in the same sense, you have to like find out more about what works. I don't think there's, a whole lot of like feedback and understanding and like mm -hmm. communication from like creators um, and ed tech developers and stuff like that and like teachers and students. I think there's a big disconnect. The people who create technology and the people who use technology in classrooms, there's like a big disconnect. The people who are in politics and decide to pay for, pay for the technology countywide overall it's just like the communication is kind of off but yeah. it's not like it can't be fostered yeah i, I think that's 100 it can be fostered i just yeah it is it's just a disconnect a lack of communication i feel like not the not the people or not enough people who have the perspective on the ground level are being able to share or maybe be heard as much because it's kind of like a like a top-down kind of uh decision-making process is what it seems like. I feel like more, if it was more localized, it'd be just so much more tailored to that community, which would be way more beneficial for the kids. And it just seems like, like it, this is my, I guess this is my like layman's term. Like I know nothing about, you know, educational structure or policy, but it just seems like it isn't like the ideas aren't out there. It's just like, bureaucracy is too difficult to get real things changed because i'm just thinking about in our community like in the next 10 years if nothing stays the same or if nothing changes i should say i don't like 
I don't think our education will get better. Like, I think it'll just keep getting worse. What do you think? If nothing changed, what do you think, like, would, would happen? If nothing changed in the past? Or if not, like, or if we don't change the way we teach in, like, our inner city schools, do you think they'll get better or worse? Like, we just keep doing the same thing. Because I haven't really been, like, have, I haven't seen, like, a any, like, is it, are they going up or are they going down? Like, I, I really... Like I, I'm trying to figure, like get a gauge of are we on the right track or is there something that really like do we need like big change like kind of what where's the like, where's your head at because from my perspective I really can't tell like if we're making like improvements or if it's just um, deteriorating. Like on one end, I see like progressive pedagogy, like culturally rather than pedagogy. That's like, hey, there's a way for you to um have practices in your like classroom the way that you greet students the way that you grade students the way that you communicate with them the way that you um give them feedback there's a way to do this in a way that will engage them and not harm them because a lot of kids go to school and they are further harmed by going to a school mm -hmm. um so i see that the pedagogy is out there um and there are people that are doing research in like academia so there's a couple different disconnects in like creators and people who are using these things in k-12 through and then there's also a disconnect between um people who are doing research and coming up with like pedagogy and practices in like academia so like colleges and university universities versus teachers when i was a teacher i knew nothing about the kind of stuff that i'm currently reading about and it wasn't brought up in any of my professional development it wasn't you know, noted. So in the same sense, people have the capacity to like, in general, if someone were to sit us down when we were doing our teacher professional development and said, hey, you need to look at your implicit bias before you ever teach a kid. You need to know what they are so that you can identify them. You need to work on inner balance so that you aren't triggered by these different things that might happen in the, in the classroom. Like if someone were to sit us down and explain these things before we ever touched foot on a school, um, or even explain, hey, if you are giving students feedback, here are the kinds of, like, here are some examples on how to do that. This is how you should greet students. This is how you should, these are the kinds of boundaries that you should um, set for yourself. This is how you should talk about boundaries, whatever. I think that the space is there. Um, so I, I see the potential, um, you know, literally we, what was it like a whole month of professional development where every day we were just talking about these different things, but plenty of people go into classrooms and they're not equipped with they're not given the kind of knowledge that they need to be successful um or to even give themselves peace and you're supposed to be able to like give a child peace and knowledge but you're not equipped with knowledge either so yes there's professional there's teacher there's teacher programs teachers are required to do professional development um but they have to be equipped with things that they can use um, not just things that sound good, like, oh, right. make sure that your children's eyes are tracking you. <laughs> when in reality, they need to be equipped with, okay, the brain moves in cycles. So for the first 15 minutes of your lesson, this is when they're most engaged. After that, they need a 10 minute break to reflect on what they just learned because the brain then has downtime. And if you want something to stick, then that is the time that you should that you should use. So while you're doing that break of reflection, here are some things that you can do. Like we're dealing with humans. 
you know, and yeah. there's, just, there's space to do it. Like, um, there's a book that I was just currently reading on, like, that was talking about what I was just saying and like the brain and students and things like that. And I think that's really interesting because I'm like, oh, if I would have, I used to do that all the time. It'd be like, hey, hey, you guys, I'm putting this timer up. I'm going to teach for 15 minutes. So I just want you locked in for 15 minutes. And then if I would have known about the breaks, that could have helped me even more. But that, this wasn't, this wasn't something that was talked about. I didn't know about this. Right. How much of the actual structure of how we do the schooling can get in the way of that? Because, you know, from my experience, it was like, you can't give all the attention and time you need in, in the, with the, with the common core and like all the, you know, those kind of standards for testing. It's like, you know, you, you need to have the, 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 the testing like, okay, but where's the balance of, you know, giving the kids more what they need. You don't understand what I'm saying. So it's like, we're testing for, you know, it's like we, yeah, we obviously we need testing because of college and, and all of that, but where's the, uh, there's a big disconnect from kids who really like they need more than just to learn the, you know, about a the area of a circle. They need, you know, real skills life. about, yeah, life development. Do you ever, do you see in our future like make like a change in, because that's not, that wouldn't be normal, you know, school. Like you, you'd have to be learning like different like different things, you know what I mean? Like, would you be able to take the ACT if you go to a school like that? Do you know, you know what I mean? Like, is that something in our, in, a, in the future where we're changing whole curriculums and like the days of, of how their structure, like we're, it's not going to be, oh, we're learning about history in this way, or we're learning about abstract math. We'll be learning about, you know, mortgages for your house or, you know, how to have a grocery budget. Do you think, do you ever see curriculum changing to teaching people about real life? Or do you think we're going to be locked in? There are schools that are catered to certain populations. Um, I have to find the literature that I'm talking about. So to answer your question, do I think that this is possible, like that you can really change curriculum? Yes. Do I think that it's currently happening? Yes. So the literature that I'm thinking of, um, I read in class, like maybe last semester, and it was a school catered to um, kids that were um, Somalian, and I believe it was in um, California. And um, essentially, the school allowed them um, a couple of things, because essentially, the, the school wanted to preserve certain things of the students' culture. They wanted to um, preserve things like their um, the way they dressed so that like um, they weren't like belittled by other students they wanted to preserve the things that they you know they eat so that what they were providing through lunch and breakfast they preserved the culture through providing traditional Somalian dishes for both breakfast and lunch they had provided um, time set aside so the students had time to pray for the amount of times that they were um, that they you know uh, traditionally prayed um, so is it possible? Yes. Um, is it happening? Yes. In public schools, I don't think that this was a public funded school. In public schools, I can't speak to that because I'm not sure. I think there's like an area of like policy and politics that I don't understand and really know about. But there are schools that have autonomy to do the things that they need to do to meet their students' needs. So I guess my next question, and thanks, because I'm having trouble uh, explain the question in a way that isn't like super biased <laughs> if that makes sense so i'm trying to like be careful on the way i speak but 
I guess my next question is really specifically for the black community. Like, how can we replicate those kind of schools that would like the Somalian one? Like, is it going to have to be we privatize our education or or what? Like, because because then again, like, is, can we do that on a on a mass scale? Because I'm trying to I'm like, how can we really be systematic about it? Do you think that privatizing it is going to be it would be a viable route? Do I think that this is a big debate? I think you came to one of my classes at FIU and my professor consistently talked about the privatization of, edu of um, education and how problematic it can be. Mm -hmm. um, because you take funding away from um, public schools in those communities and then put funding into something a little sep in something separate. Um, there's a big debate on this. Um, Cause like, what if we put the, you know, the really nice school in the hood and you know what I'm saying? And we work with, it would take years to like really make it like how that had the Somalian one. We're trying to integrate people's culture. We don't want to come in and like, but I mean, cause. It's not even so much. So like take up, take the nice school and put it in the hood. It's really so much. So like you can take a school that's in the hood and change its practices to meet the students needs. Yeah. Regardless of what's there. And you know, like, essentially do what you need to do um so what would need to change there like is that just different practices like what say we have the like we can keep the building maybe we do get more resources but like what's gonna make what would make it better like oh i, f I see the value in going to school now if before um, i thought it was stupid I think that with a with a school in the black community like someone who put a school in a black community that actually is working very well i had a class with the superintendent superintendent and they spoke very highly of it is lebron james and their school in um, akron ohio but i think one of the big things that they did that made that really changed the game the students are excelling on these standardized tests the students are excelling health wise and like more mm -hmm. you know, emotion wise is because um, there's funding, there's more funding in the community itself, not just the school around it. You can't just pump, pump, pump money into one location and expect it to kind of like heal more than just that. Um, they pumped money into the like job, um, job, like the workforce around the school and like the families around the school and like the businesses around the school, um, and the students themselves. So I think that really changes the game. And, um, I think that there are some, like when I look at certain schools, like there are some schools that have this kind of class that you're talking about. Like I was friends with a teacher that was there um, when I was teaching and she taught a life, a career development. And she had a lot of autonomy to do what she wanted to do. And for the most part, she taught a lot of skills like, you know, greeting people and smiling and body language and um, professional development like she you know that, that was her focus did she also have the autonomy to like talk about really anything like she she did she had she could build it out herself so like essentially if you wanted to be a you know a career a life development or like career development teacher of course there are some things that you want to hit but you can you know whatever skills that you want to talk about talk about you know, mortgages and home ownership and credit and these different life lessons, she had the autonomy to do so. And it was in a public school. You know what I mean? Like some of these schools have really good, some of them have great resources. Prior to me teaching, my school had an auto body department. So 
there were kids that were learning how to work on cars. There was a beauty department. There were kids that were learning how to be a barber and cut hair. Um, it still had that or that was before you? That was right before, before I, before I came, it was pulled as soon as I got there. Mm. So it's not like. Did they say I, why? Um, I think it was, it might've I actually, I, I don't, I don't want to assume. I, oh, I don't okay. want to assume to be honest. I'm not sure, but the program still existed at other schools in that same County. So there are schools that it did exist. They have auto body, they have beauty departments. Uh, they have like a whole, you know, beauty department and things like that. Um, could could schools and in theory could they have this like life development course required every single year i think that would be helpful um i'm just because here's why i'm why i'm asking that you like you know you introduced me to maurice and so i've been living with him and like i've been hanging out with his homies i'm just thinking like hmm like i feel like they they didn't get enough out of uh like they weren't prepared really you know what i mean and it was like like but i don't know like schools, there are schools that literally have these but they graduated people. yeah i'm like how like so like where's how can they get them to like <laughs> i'm just to, if you're the leader of a school depending on the resources that are there depending on whatever is there you have to structure it accordingly like when I, there are schools that I've come in contact with where seniors, you know, you're getting ready to kind of like start your life at 18. And I would kind of, you know, put that in my students' ears, but seniors, by the time that you're like uh, 18 or you're finishing up that last year, they went to school for half the day and then they would go to work for the other portion or they would go to, um, it was like an offsite program where it was either like college courses or it was like um esthetician and beauty school or auto body whatever the case is so it was like students needed the time to work on their like life skills so they had that but i will say part of it i think is just i think i think it's also i think part of it is leadership um and um as a leader like really locking down that funding, locking down those opportunities and like working in that way. But I mean, I've seen it. Like I've looked at, I've, I've worked in a couple of different schools and those opportunities are there. But yes, I agree with you in a sense that kids graduate from high school and like know nothing about credit, know nothing about mortgages, know nothing about saving, know nothing about cost of living and expenses and hourly rates. But also they barely know like regular math too. <laughs> like they barely yeah, know. Or even how to like, cook for themselves like yeah like literally basic yeah. yeah make themselves breakfast or like two-step algebra equations like not anything crazy like really bare minimum yeah. it's like damn this... yeah i mean i feel like they're on on one end i feel like there are students that graduate from high, high school and know how to two-step equations but don't know how to care for themselves and i think that is more problematic. true that is true yeah that I is think. true I think that when you want, when a kid graduates from your school, you want them to leave with some sort of, with some sources on how to be like an active person on how to really care for yourself. And like, I think that's valuable. Um, yeah. Yeah. What like about, oh, go ahead. I, I feel like schools do a big part in creating a person. That's why yeah. I'm so passionate about them. Kids, some kids spend more time in school than they do with their families and their, with their parents. I 100% agree. I think the school is, is so important. And just, I feel like we have not, 
taking advantage of how powerful it is to its fullest. Like, I don't think we're, we're our schools are aren't being used to the like they're not valued as much as other things in our society. And I'm not just talking about our community. I'm talking about just in general. And I feel like we let that happen when we need to, we need to really be focusing on like, like paint, like, like these, are, these are, these are the kind of things we need to be getting past because like, if we don't invest in the future, it's only going to be like, what, what are we investing in? You know what I mean? Like we're, we're selling our kids for like long-term profit or because just pushing the problem off because it's too hard to solve now. Like, I don't know, but I wanted to ask my next thing about like mental health. Cause I feel like, especially in the black community, like mental health is something that we need all the help we can get. Have you been hearing about any kind of like curriculum or practices around like integrating mental health into like regular school like everyday so, school i'm gonna see if i can pull that up i wish i would have just um pulled some of this stuff to the side let me see okay so i'm there okay yeah so what i read is um the outcomes of a school-based mindfulness intervention that they did in a um urban school um and they basically hypothesized that after this 12-week intervention that it that doing this like these mindfulness exercises would reduce um, stress responses and improve mental health outcomes and social adjustment and the findings suggest that the intervention was attractive to the students teachers and school administrators and it had a positive impact on problematic responses to stress including these different like intrusive thoughts and emotions that these students were feeling. Mm. So someone went and did a study on this. This is why I'm always kind of like asking you whether you're interested in. Yeah, honestly, I, I'm about to be a fucking, I'm trying to do studies and yeah, shit. A doctorate. Yeah, like <laughs> get a doctorate and um, kind of like, you know, do studies that you think are um, beneficial, like answer questions that people are kind of asking, like what you're essentially, what you essentially asked me, I have an article of someone who literally went and said, okay, I'm going to do 12 weeks of mindfulness and see if it has this impact. And it speaks to your question. It's like really verified. And, um, that's something I think about. Yeah. Um, Cause I have a lot of questions that need asked and I know that motherfuckers aren't going to give me the answer that I need. I'm going to have to get my own damn answer. So yeah, maybe I do need to to do that because I'd be feeling like a sociologist just sitting there, you know, with Maurice and his friends just kicking it. I'm just like, man, I'm learning so much right now. <laughs> but it's and it's like it's fascinating because it's like they're not that much like different than me in age. I'm like four or five years older, but like <laughs> I don't know. It's just really different. <laughs> but it's like in like a a, a fun way because it's like. It's like looking in the mirror, but also like, you know, a different font or some shit, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, damn, like, but I see a lot, I guess this is what it is. I see a lot of potential and yeah, I don't want to see it wasted. And especially if I think about on a macro scale, I'm like, I'd be thinking like, well, if I wasn't here, like what type of shit would niggas be on? You know what I mean? Like they'd be giving me hella, you know, showing like love, but it's just like, damn, like, how do we get how do we make sure this doesn't get wasted on a on mass scale? Because I feel like just too much. It's too much like bullshit that they have to think about. They can't worry about, you know, the, you know, being a kid and, you know, just growing up. You know what I mean? I'll just be hearing about so many 
traumatic things and obviously like education isn't it but just like education seems like a good place to start obviously more opportunity for people to you know make better of themselves but even like you know when i was helping maurice we like calling the school they were like being real like had an attitude with them and shit and i'm just like damn like <laughs> Like, yo, we're, we're really trying to help him out, y'all. He's like, bruh, like, why are y'all on that? Like, I know it's early in the morning, but, like, really, we're just trying to help this kid out, you know? Like, that kind of shit is just, like, I mean, I know people get to, it, that wasn't, that's just a, that's just a, um, that's anecdotal, but now I just think, I think of, about it. Hmm. Now that I think about it, I think about it, because the first thing I thought about is, I, you know, we, there's always a lady in the front desk that I, you know, kind of, you know, make sure that I'm really warm to and kind to, but you're dealing with a bunch of people who are underpaid no, for the facts. amount of work that they it's have. It's not to their do. fault. Right. That was, just, that was just one example. Yeah. But I, I just yeah. brought up because I just brought that up as like, damn, like this kid's going through a lot of, a lot of stuff and it's unfortunate, but I feel like it isn't, it's the system that's, that's forcing people to be uncomfortable. And it's like, why, like we don't have to be doing it like this. Like, I right. just don't see enough. In, I guess this is what it is. I don't see enough innovation in our education sector because we don't focus on it, but if we're not focusing on it because we're not putting any pressure on anybody to do anything about it. And so, it's not just pressure, it's also money. And money, yeah. So to be honest. So that's my only thing is like, um, I think I saw this, uh, I have to find it. It's this NFT that they're raising money to open schools. And I think that is a big, that was something I wanted to continue to research because I'm like, one thing that matters is money. Like you mentioning, you know, there's this woman we're trying to, you know, get some resources for her, but she's clearly upset and has an attitude. And I'm thinking, people don't have room for innovation when they're not paid well. Right. You know, you can't think about, you know what I mean? Like, okay, if I have to deal with 20 students, 20 different families, and I'm not being paid enough, I'm just, of course I'm stressed out. So when it comes to, I guess, to answer two questions, the idea, do you think we might have to privatize to, in order to really move things forward? If that means you have to privatize so you can pay people accordingly, like actually pay teachers six figures like they deserve because they are a... Uh, College, college graduates who are I mean, specializing in a field and uh, working with over a hundred different clients every single day, yeah. then, uh, well, some, at least in middle and, middle and high school, then if that means you can pay your teachers six figures, which is what I would love to do if I opened my own school, then that would have to be what it is. I mean, for sure. It's like, if we're building a society that's taking itself serious, we like teacher would be the like one of the highest paying jobs, one of the highest value jobs, because you're literally raising the future of our society. Like right. what, what could be a more important job? Honestly, like right. only a couple, only a hit like doctor, you know, <laughs> president, other than that, it's like our teachers, but the way, yeah, like you said, like nobody has time to innovate because, you know, I'm just barely scraping by. So I can't There's enough money in the industry itself. There's not That's enough money bogus. to keep teachers teaching. There's not enough money to keep the principals in the schools that they're interested in being in. There's a retirement that people, you know, essentially that, that's kind of interesting because being a teacher is like having a federal job. So the retirement package, you know, um, seems, you know, positive compared to other industries. But um, overall, the day-to-day -day quality of life and amount of pay suck. Yeah, and it's sucks. not enough to keep people there. Um, and it, it leads to people kind of just making ends meet until the until the day is over. Mm. 
like do what I have to do until I got to, you know, clock out. Um, but I think it would be different. I mean, I think either way you kind of get this attachment to students and you're okay with staying after school, but when you're paid so that you can, you know, you have a different quality of life, you're able to put in, you know, more into your job. You're able to actually not even put more in, meet, meet the needs that are even there. Like, and that's a whole respect thing too. Cause you know, like that, that really raises the caliber of people that are becoming teachers when you're paying them, you know, what they deserve more, like it becomes more competitive, more and more people are going to be sharper getting into those positions. And that just benefits everybody. Yeah, I think so. I think money is a big thing that I would change. I think that making sure that you have life skill programs and mindfulness interventions and um, like mental health, like mental health should be a part of this like ed- physical education, PE. Right. Like we need that, ME. <laughs> I, right. I think that we talked about like health in general in terms of food. And I don't think I really Definitely. understood that the more that I like learn more about like alkaline diets and like vegan diets. Um, like the more that I learn about this, the more I'm like, this wasn't taught back then. I didn't know a whole lot back then about this, um, like real health and like real, real education on health and mental, like, which includes mental health and um, like diet and just overall life skills. Um, but that NFT thing, that was really interesting to me. Did you buy one? That was really interesting to me because I'm like, if you can make this kind of money, that kind of, I don't know, this like NFT thing really blended together like Afrofuturism, the education space. And I thought it was really interesting because I'm like. And you know, that actually brings me into my next point. I was going to say, how can we weaponize the culture into funding education? Because it's like, yo, we have all these like rappers flipping NFTs and make millions and millions of dollars, like in a couple minutes. Do you ever see like a, a focus on the culture getting back to the community? Because I feel like right now it's a lot of, uh, vult- I wouldn't say vultures, but the labels and all that, you know, it's, it's all about money. It's, it's about money still versus, you know, what do you do? What do you think? I don't want to talk too much, but what do you think about community and, and, and kind of what, or culture and kind of what we're talking about? Um, I think that people are going to be passionate about whatever they're passionate about. If people aren't passionate about their community, that's just where they're at. And for someone like me and you, I think there's now more access to building this kind of wealth so much so that if you're passionate about your community and you're in your passion about building this kind of wealth, you can blend it together. And although people that have status might not be doing that, the money's out there. Um, like you're saying, you know, oh, you know, this person's making money in five minutes. We're both, we both have access to do the same. Right. And if you wanted to use that funds for whatever you're passionate about, if that includes education or whatever it is, you can do that. It's really like start where you are. And I'm, in my head, I'm like, you know, it sucks if someone doesn't want to use their, their, their status and access to, you know, build up communities for people that look like them and go through things similar to them. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can't essentially make people. Some people just yes. don't feel responsible or interest 
I'm glad you said that because it sounds like the future of the black community is just personal responsibility. Like you, if you, if that's what the change you want, then you're going to have to, to do it. You know, don't look to yeah. anybody else to, to affect the change that you want. Go out there and get it. You are the one that you've been, that we're all waiting for. You're the yeah. chosen one. Like, <laughs> wow. Like who, who would have thought it was actually you, you, you had all those great ass ideas. <laughs> no wonder, like go do it. motherfucker. <laughs> And, and yeah. yeah, like I think that's a that's a great message. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think I really want I really want everybody to feel that way. And it's not like a because you know, there's so many things that can happen that are out of your control. Sometimes people get kind of offended by that, like, oh, you're saying personal responsibility when you know my parents kicked me out, I'm 16. You know what I'm saying? Like there's always there's always reasons that you can feel defeated, but at the end of the day, it's like now what? You know, there's a lot of things that you can't control, but what about what you can? So, yeah, I really think we, I, I'm optimistic about the future. I think <laughs> the way thing, the way the country's been going, it's been kind of wild, like, you know, just with all the craziness with the pandemic and politics. But I really do think Black future is bullish. I'm, I'm bullish on it. I think so, too. So I just found what I was looking for because that was on my heart. So it's called Kindergarten Baby Apes. And they just posted um, a couple of weeks ago, they essentially... They have now donated $70,000 in Ethereum mm. to uh, a company called Build On, which is going to fund two schools, one in Guatemala, one in Guatemala and one in Nicaragua. That same thing can be, that same thing can happen for the Black community. Yeah. Um, and this money is going to other communities that they're interested in. Um, I don't know if there's some, you know, huge public figure that's behind this or, you know, I don't know the entire like marketing or whatever, who's behind this, but why can't we do that situation? yeah that's definitely some shit i'm community. trying to that's definitely some shit i'm trying to do that's why yeah. i gotta get that's why i'm trying to get scut right like god damn it is a fucking work in progress but yeah, yeah. man would do shit like that would be so dope and like yeah like the be blend between nft and charity i think um yeah the NF nft and like philanthropy and like black education I'm, I'm like going to continue to look into but i see it there that that kind of stuff really sparks my like energy it makes me feel like you know because you can too. yeah you can make it cool like you can get places to sponsor it where it's like oh yeah like i have this nft so i get in you know 20 percent discount you know what i'm saying like or i get to go to the vip because i got you know the nft where we just built a school you know what i'm saying exactly. <laughs> like making it a status flex like yeah you know what I'm, like, we just built my whole community up like that's why i got my shit in here nigga. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like we popping bottles this bitch because yeah like look at this shit yeah i think that's there's a lot of potential in that that's kind of exciting yeah but but i gotta pump the brakes on the putting the headset on all day for eight hours like <laughs> is that gonna be the, a future too because i mean we are already in a metaverse with social media like that essentially is a metaverse already because twitter is not a real place or instagram mm -hmm. but like it lives in our conscious but what about when it is really like you putting on a, a headset what do you think about that are you are you cool with that you think it's gonna be lit um, I don't know enough information on it, to be honest. Um, the company that I just sent you, like Kindergarten Baby Apes, they essentially donate Ethereum um, mm. to this company that builds schools. So it's almost like having two companies and like one company is essentially like we're going to donate crypto so that it can fund um, schools. Um, yeah, it's actually two different companies to make that a little bit more clear. No, that uh, makes sense because it's like you build one business where it's making money, but you're using that to fund this. Right, right. 
Um, yeah, all their stuff is sold out. But um, when it comes to the metaverse, I don't really, I don't know a whole lot about, um, I haven't done enough research to really have a full opinion on it. And I'm like, kind of, I'm one of those people who's like, until I really know enough, I don't really form an opinion until um, I've done some reading. Yeah, I think um, it's it's definitely interesting. Yeah, but or I, listening. I went to a pitch competition. I think I told you about it where they were literally demoing um, like VR classroom, kind of like Udemy where you buy online classes, but all the yeah. classes were virtual. You put a headset on and the professor's doing shit virtually. I think that's kind of cool. I really do think that is, but man, working from home and then doing those little meetings with an avatar, I would, <laughs> like, I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to do Wii Fitness, you know, with a little, a little thing like hopping around. That just, it, that seems kind of weird to me. I don't think, but I don't know. That's just, that's just speculation. I really can't. I feel like it kind of benefits the, um, like how people are with the pandemic and the, of like being inside. Yeah. Um, and for me, I don't know. I still feel like, you know, there's still a whole lot of beauty in doing things, even if it's alone and safe, but outside, you know what I mean? Like, the there's no world. price on fresh air and i that's that's one thing that like the metaverse can't get you is like the fresh air the sun on your skin fellowship with like you know other, other people, people. <laughs> yeah, real people like, that stuff is still very much so real so do, i don't think it can be replaced um yeah, going to the club in the metaverse metaverse going to like um worship in the metaverse is not going to be the exact same thing as doing it in person what i'm worried about is they'll have our kids on that like yeah we we remember the old days but you know what i'm saying think about this generation who's growing up in you know pandemic isolation all this kind of shit i'm a little worried about that so that's one thing i'm gonna be real conscious of make sure my kids aren't on the ipad all day like we got to go outside yeah and just to essentially like build the appreciation because another thing is if you aren't exposed to, to something over time, then it's hard to have an appreciation for it. Right. Um, so I think, you know, that's valuable. Um, I think as, as a person who is going to have a black child, it is, there's a whole lot of responsibility um, and exposure that you have to do. So when it comes to technology and the kind of exposure that they're going to get with tech, whether it's metaverse or whatever the case is, like, you, know, you have to do your part with that too and like that's the i guess that's that's what it is when you're a parent in this generation what about like the age limit for giving your kid the internet what do you think is appropriate um honestly we've got to just continue to do our research on yeah because like who who even knows <laughs> because there's some literature out there like i read something about kids who are watching blues clues very early and how they did develop some skills from watching blues clues like the pause in blues clues and like searching for there were some skills that the researchers identified that the students had from watching this tv which is you know media oh well, tv um, definitely programming but i'm talking about the internet um tv because we can have good programming everything is more or less programming us but how about just giving your kid access to the internet what age because i'm when i think i'm like damn 
I would want it to be more like 16. I don't really want my 12-year-old to have the internet, but if you give your 12-year-old a phone, they can get on the internet. I mean, in theory, five-year-olds have access to the internet. They're on YouTube and they click through videos of Cocomelon. And then they can also click on whatever they want to. They watch, if you know, they click on videos of, if you allow them, they could end up clicking on anything. You never know. Yikes. Um, You know, click on videos of other kids opening toys or honestly, they could end up clicking on something that's way too out of scope for them. Um, And at the end of the day, at this point, it really is just like, you have to monitor it no matter what. Because like, if if you're in your head, you're thinking, oh, give them access to the internet 16. These kids are getting iPads at three. Right, their friends are going to have it. Everybody's going to be on it. So it really is going to have to be a, I think life is a matter of balance. You know what I mean? Like work balance, balance with technology, balance with, like health and wellness, like it's all balance. And you're going to have to really be militant with it because it can get out of control if you don't, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we all with this technology thing, I think, you know, we might not sit and like go outside for a run for three hours, but you could look up and have been using some sort of technology, whether it's social media, whether it's videos on YouTube and three hours can pass by Mm. easy. So it's really like being intentional with it. Like, yeah, you're going to have to be intentional regardless what age. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter if they're five or, or 15. Like, you're going to have to be really intentional. Um, and if you're not, it's going to show. You know what I mean? Like, your kid doesn't get any sunlight all week. It's going to show. <laughs> no, that's true. But it's... Man, it's crazy because like you want to prepare them for the future, but you also don't want them to be exposed to it too quickly. And when I think about like my, my the 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 way the media portrays black people, I, I'm sometimes wary of seeing all this the social media images. I feel like they don't always paint us in the best light. I think it's getting better as of recently, but I think about the images of that are always you know broadcast of us. And I feel like that does have an effect on our psyche, especially when, like, you know, George Floyd getting murdered in the street. And it's like, it's hard not to feel like a victim when you're seeing all that kind of shit. And it's like, we don't know how that is affecting the mental health of us uh, consuming it now. So it's like, you know, how are kids processing it? But you can't, you can't hide them. them from, you can't hide them from that. It's just like, damn, like, what, what are you supposed to do? Like. I really think it just goes back to how you were saying, like just knowing about how things can affect you, knowing how your body, how to regulate your body. Okay. We're the we're the only creatures that can self-regulate. We can sit here and be like, I'm going to, you know, relax myself. And you can literally bring yourself into a state of relaxation or change your heart rate, you know, like no other creatures can do that like we can. Yeah. Yeah. And I think knowing the power to self-regulate is really like. I think that's a like life key. I think that's a key. And we don't really grow up knowing a lot about that. Like at all. We don't, I didn't, I didn't know about how, like, I didn't know how to control my breathing until I was 25 years old (laughs) because I don't, I hadn't, I didn't know about breath practices. I didn't know what that could do for me health wise. Um, I didn't know how to like regulate my thoughts until maybe I was 21. Yeah, like mindfulness. Knowing that, but imagine being a 10 year old or even my sister starting very early with her kids. 
where she communicates with them and allows them time to like just be still and reflect Mm -hmm. like that is a part of like okay you know during the pandemic I had to watch them because there was they didn't have childcare, and both of my my sister and her husband they were um I forget the phrase essential workers Mm -hmm. so you know she gave me like different things that you know she wanted to make sure that they do and like having time to reflect for the day was a part of it and I was like thinking to myself after a while I was like these two the five and three-year-old they're literally sitting here with in like a dim lit room just laying there breathing and thinking Mm. and I'm like I probably did it when it was a part of my schedule when I was a kid but I didn't know what it was right and like my sister is literally teaching them like okay these are the breathing exercises you're going to do when you're overstimulated very young and like now we have the tools to pass that kind of thing on in our schools in our homes because we you know have these kinds of resources but we have to implement them you know like your kid could spend six hours in the metaverse or they could spend an hour or two and some you know another hour working on breath 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 practices it's up to you right so it sounds like us as black people it's like hey if you want your kid to be the best it can be you're gonna have to teach it yourself you're gonna have to educate yourself so you have the information to pass down to your kid because yeah it's like you know no one else is gonna help them (laughs) or it'll be you know it's like oh great i learned it so much so much farther after i experienced all this trauma but i could have avoided it if i just knew but man all the information that's coming out about this it is getting a lot more popular so i'm optimistic about more people just knowing about it because even just knowing that you can be mindful about what you're thinking and that not all your thoughts are you is i always trip about that because i didn't re- i didn't realize that until recently like like you said like a year probably a year or two ago and I, it dawned on me and i've been tripping on that ever since it, it was so easy to strip away things that were causing me a lot of anxiety when I just kind of understood that concept because then like I would feel those feelings would arise and I could just dissociate disassociate from it whereas I would lean into the feeling that uh, that's coming into my body and it would trigger like a thought process in my mind where I'm thinking some negative shit you know you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. but now I can be aware of the pro of the process of that happening and just stop it. <laughs> yeah. not, not, and not even not even where it's like a, it, that was easy, but it's more like okay, like I understand, like this is a tool, like okay, like damn, let me just breathe, let me feel what's going on. Okay, yeah. cool. Like oh, I'm I'm not gonna die. Like my life isn't gonna end. Wow, that's great. I want. I really want. I'm gonna teach my kids that they can meditate and like levitate off the ground. Teach them that Dragon Ball Z is like a real thing. They can shoot energy out of their hands and shit. I really feel like. If you don't put any limits on your kid, they'll really surprise. They can <laughs> do some yeah, they crazy really surprise shit. You. Yeah. It really surprise you. Yeah, I mean, think about how much limitations our parents didn't put on us for us to be this way. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, um, I have some friends who grew up with parents that were very restrictive and continue to be very restrictive, um, and it shows in the way that they are. You know, like imagine how much, just imagine how much kind of freedom you had to like develop who you are based Mm -hmm. on the kind of parenting that your parents chose. 
for you? Yeah, parenting is such an underrated thing. I feel like the B, the the BM, the baby mama, baby daddy, I feel like that drama distracts us from the real like gift that parenting is and responsibility that it is. I mean, I don't even know. When I think baby mama, baby daddy, I think husband, wife, I think boyfriend, girlfriend. It's all I the think, same. And when it, I think it comes down to it. I think it's coming down to navigating um I think one of the biggest things people always say is communication, but regardless of the setting, when you're a parent, you also have to pay attention to yourself. Mm. And it gets hard because you start to really focus on like this, this little person and what to do for them. But if you don't focus on yourself, then, you know, a lot gets lost. It's like the airplane thing. You got to put your mask on first before helping others. Right. Like, do I want to be a mom who, is happy or do I want to be a mom who is like working a whole lot mm. and I mean you can choose either I mean it could you could have both right but I think me being happy um and like doing the things I need to do for myself will help me in being a better parent it's it helps you be a better person overall a better friend a better son a better everything just yeah everything yeah it's important Um, I'm excited. Friend, oh, go ahead. No, um, go ahead. My friend Nazi, she she's she'll be here in like ten minutes, and she like really loves to have like these deep conversations about like really anything. Bet. Um, she'll be here in like ten minutes. Um, I just have to go and grab her and um, help her bring her stuff up. We got some vegan pizza. Really? Is it made out um, of cauliflower? I'm not sure. There's a place called Secret Vegan Pizza, and they have like pop ups all around the West Coast. So, um. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I'm just giving you a heads up. Bet. I'll go and grab her, and then, um, we can kind of chat. But yeah, I was just reflecting on that shit we were talking about earlier. You were saying you were excited about something. I'm excited about the future. I like to ask pessim sometimes pessimistic stuff, but really just to kind of like disarm it, you know? Because I feel like mm-hmm. as an audience, it's better to. Ha- it's better to assume, I think I want to assume like pessimism just because I feel like the skeptics are the people who I really would want to win over. <laughs> so I always want to be saying like common rebuttals, I guess I was, I would say. Mm-hmm. Or, or yeah, even, and I think that's good. And even things that like, that I, that I've recognized in myself, you know, and sometimes I'll say or do things that are <laughs> like I know that was stupid but I I want to get, allow correction you know what I mean because <laughs> I, I want people to be cool with just not being 100% you know right all the time you know and it's like you know yeah I'm I'm I made a mistake but I'm working towards it you know what I'm saying I'm trying to be better and it takes grace as the person who's might be offended but it also takes grace as the person who is you know, trying to make that change where it's like both of us, we need to allow us to have space to improve, you know? So like if people are making mistakes, but genuinely trying, they're going to be more willing to keep trying. And so I don't want people to get in echo chambers where one person does one thing and we don't allow any correction. We want to cancel and destroy people versus allowing people to, to change. Like it's a, it's a fine line, but I think 
on a small, like on an interpersonal scale, like regular, regular people, like your friends, your aunt, your uncle that you can't stand because they have a certain political view or something like <laughs> I think people could show each other a little bit more tolerance if they're if they're not already. Yeah. So that's just my random rant for, for that. Possibly. I mean, I think people who have a critical lens are um, I think a critical lens is important because you ask um, questions that require people to elaborate. Mm -hmm. um, and like think deeper about the things that they're doing and working on. So I think a critical lens is dope. Um, it can be kind of hard because sometimes having a critical lens can lead to, I don't know, at least when it comes to literature, sometimes some of the critical literature I read, I'm like, this is way too wordy. Like, I understand that you're being critical, but I won't understand what you're saying right. in like a more plain way. But um, I don't know, I think a critical lens is dope. I, criti uh, having a critical lens and having friends with the lens like that doesn't really scare me. Yeah. Um, I think I expose myself to a lot of things that, you know, like I think for every question that you've asked me, there's been some literature that I've been exposed to where someone is like kind of uh, related to some of the, like the, your question, like you asked about mindfulness. I know someone who's gone into a school and done, done that. Like um, you asked about like schools catered to like black needs and students needs. And like, there's some literature there. I just feel like the more you expose yourself uh, people who ask like different kinds of questions it doesn't you know it doesn't really phase you mm -hmm. um so I'm mean, down with it I definitely want to I definitely want to go back to school eventually I feel like I know what I would want to do now I definitely want to get into psychology mm -hmm. I don't know I don't know if I want to be re regulated to education but I do see a lot of value in it but I think psychology for sure because I think there's just a lot to be learned and that shit and it's fascinating like I like to learn about it yeah, I think it's really interesting um, to see how, how like through conversation and communicating with another person and different practices that we can not only like self-regulate, but really like change, yeah. like change ourselves. Like, I think it's really interesting. And like through psychology, you're able to like ask people questions, have conversations, show them different things to listen to. And they're able to like reinvent themselves yeah it's that's super dope and yeah, even just psychology even just having conversations with regular people you start to understand so much so many things about yourself just by talking to somebody else like i've been having that that experience on the podcast like i would be learning a lot about me just by learning about other people which is kind of crazy to think about but it's something you can only really get what i'm saying if you've kind of experienced it i feel like because it sounds kind of stupid <laughs> like what do you mean learning about yourself while listening to somebody but it's kind of like you're noticing what how you feel or what you're thinking based off of what somebody's saying so you can realize like whoa like i'm i'm kind of biased here you know what i mean like based off of your how your body's reacting it's like oh okay like that's kind of telling me something it's been kind of interesting to it's a weird experience you know uh yeah and i think that kind of speaks to some of the questions i've been asking you recently when it comes to awareness because i think that you continue to reflect and just delve deeper and deeper into like being aware of yourself and i think i kind of question like how are you this way what makes you <laughs> you know like what makes you like that and yeah. you know i think a couple of factors like you being a heterosexual male black male um you being like your age a couple of things just i don't know I'm, I'm like how is he 
how is he like this? Why is he like this? What, what does being a heterosexual male have to do with it, though? <laughs> um, nothing. I'm just talking about your identity. Honestly. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, oh, okay. I don't think I don't think it matters, but you just being like your age, a couple of different things. I'm like, okay, um, what? How is he like? What has really helped him to continue to like? What has helped you? on your like awareness journey to continue to be like, okay, well, my body is telling me this. Why am I thinking like this? Why am I saying these things? Why am right. I treating people this way? A lot of people don't ask themselves that. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, yeah. So I'm kind of curious. I was kind of being curious about that. Yeah. Like the things I've been reading, like kind of like the, what I was just reading to you earlier, the books, the podcasts I listened to a lot of that Jordan Peterson stuff has been getting me thinking. But it's like all these things, I'll hear them and it won't be like I learned it. It'll be like I remembered it like, oh, like or things just made so much more sense. And so as I continue to just expose myself to that information, it starts to make sense mechanically on how I can do it on an everyday basis. And it starts to make sense why. Or no, well, I wouldn't say it starts to make sense. It starts to, I start to understand like how to kind of, how, how much of what I do isn't really my doing, I guess it's kind of what I've, re what I realized. And so in order to, what I, when I say that, I mean like consciously, like most of your behavior isn't conscious. And so it's like, all right, if a lot of my behavior is automatic. I need to pay attention to <laughs> to you know the outcomes that I'm getting so I can realize like all right what about me do I need to change and so it's like the easiest way to do that is by interacting with somebody else because they're giving you that real-time feedback you don't have to look in the mirror you're looking at somebody else so it's like oh okay like if I say this and it offends them then maybe I need to reevaluate like where did I think it was okay for me to say that you know what I mean <laughs> but you wouldn't you wouldn't know that unless you just like you know we're reading the kind of shit that i'd be reading and that's why i kind of want more i want to get into it but i've just been i've been kind of like i wouldn't say chickening out but i haven't figured out a way to present the information that's interesting and succinct yet so i'm trying i'm kind of struggling through that but on my own personal that's kind of why i do the podcast so i can kind of just talk freely about stuff like this mm -hmm. with people um, who want to go there i'm gonna go grab my friend nazi like a uh, five minute break and we'll be back. I bet I'll keep the people on ice. <laughs> We're kicking it at the Scott house, you know, cooling. I got my blue cup filled with water per usual because I don't drink enough water. I'm always thirsty. <sighs> Young thugs playing in the background, you know, special in the gang or in the living room, kicking it. <sighs> it's a Saturday evening, 8.38 PM, Miami. It's probably like 70 degrees. Wherever you're at right now, just want to thank you for tuning in. I'm glad we're on this frequency together, kicking it. If you think about how big the universe is and it's big as hell, <laughs> uh, and you're spending time with me. So I really appreciate that from the bottom of my heart. And I want to encourage you to remember who you really are. And Don't sell yourself short. And that I love you a lot. I love you very much.
Okay. You know, I just kind of opened my mind, wanted to see what would come out. That's kind of all that came out. I thought maybe some profound rollout. You never know. It's kind of like uh, if you imagine one of those, like you go to a bowling alley and they got those things that shoot the bowling balls out. Like, uh, like you know, when after you bowl, it shoots the, the ball out. That's kind of what I was, you know, I'm like waiting. What, what's going to come out of here? Like anything good? No. Okay. All right. Whatever. Whatever. I'm working on it. I'm try, I got to get better on freestyle or whatever. Can't believe I didn't have anything else to say. I just let that 30 seconds go by without saying anything. Right now, what books am I reading right now? I got Atomic Habits. Oh, I got Wisdom Codes, Gregory B. Greg Broden, Braden, that's my that's my guy. I gotta put him on a t-shirt. Not not the bad way though. Oh, I, was, I meant to bring this up when we talked about praying, but I didn't even get to read it yet, so. No, nah, real scut shit though. That's the whole point of this shit, bro. Spreading knowledge and tactics. Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, let me just. You know what I'm saying? Psalm 91. Pyramid text. Yeah, damn. I'm definitely gonna have to cut this. I didn't make it interesting at all. I could have talked about my day. What did I do today? Took some pictures. The pictures are kind of lit. I'm not even gonna lie. Shout out to. Shout out to me. I've been going crazy on the pictures. Did I want to post today? I feel like I did. Scared. Hey. Scared. Ooh. Yeah, Smoky Mirror season two. This picture is hard as fuck. I'm definitely going to do this for the season two pick. This shit hard. 